folks, welcome back to the show. Yeah, here we are. Known as the American Craftsman Podcast. Episode 38. Yeah. Wow. Can you believe it? Not really. And that's just 38 for this season. Yeah, we're at, uh, we're getting pretty close to 100 episodes. I know, I know. 10 more. Yeah. It's episode 90. Um, should thank our sponsor, Bits and Bits. Um, so if you guys don't know, you've probably heard this time or two. If you're listening to episode 38. <laughs> yeah. Um, so bits and bits, uh, they, they manufacture spiral router bits and they also astrocoat, uh, their own bits that they manufacture as well as white side bits, mm-hmm. um, from one thirty second width of cut to half inch in spiral bits. And they're uh, astrocoating the full line of white side bits. The only, um, you know, third party, third party, second party. What is a second party? I don't know. I think I've never heard a second party used. Me neither. It's maybe, always third party. Maybe we're the second party. What happened to the second party? It's lost at sea. Um, <laughs> so yeah, they're they're the only authorized uh, folks to actually you know coat the white side bits and mm-hmm. and uh, white side makes some some great bits if you're looking for edge profiles and stuff like that. We use we we're just using the half inch radius round over. Um, Everybody wants these like bull nose looks and stuff these days. So yeah. we use those Astro coated from uh, Bits and Bits. Uh, they sell Festool accessories, the Domino, you know, consumable stuff like that, router accessories. Um, so check them out. Uh, I think it's bit, bitsbits.com, I want to say. There's a link in the description. Use the code American Craftsman, save yourself 15%. It's a good deal. Site wide. We'll uh, we'll get this ad down at some point. Yeah, it's a lot. Yeah. Um, you want to talk about myoderm? Yeah, I definitely want to talk about myoderm. Maybe we'll we'll save it for a little bit. Maybe towards the end. All right. Or yeah, because you know we don't want to. Myoderm is not an ad, but something that we want to talk about. Um. So yeah, I guess yeah. Let's get into uh, we're on to traditional revival this week. Yeah. Traditional revival is probably the furniture that we all grew up with, unless, you know, yeah, you know, it's middle American furniture. It's all the reproduction stuff that you buy at the big box stores. Mm-hmm. And even the nicer furniture makers like Ethan Allen and Bassett, where they used to make furniture down in the Carolines and stuff like that, wood furniture. Mm-hmm. It's it's all basically falls under this traditional revival uh, umbrella, which um, kind of spans 1920 to 1950, although it it never stopped, really. I mean, they're still churning it out now. It's all that stuff on Facebook Marketplace that people are, <laughs> are uh, I don't even know what they call it, <laughs> repurposing, I guess. Yes. They find the Queen Anne dresser on the side of the road and then they paint it with a right. gray paint or a turquoise and they make it like farmhouse chic. They mm-hmm. call it. Traditional revival is this sort of like this catch all phrase that when they ran out of things to do as far as design concept, they just start looking back and manufacturing knockoff furniture. Yeah. And with homes, it's the same thing in the same era. You know, people say, oh, yeah, I, uh, my home's a colonial. Well, it's not. It's a <laughs> colonial revival from 1930, 30, you know. Right. Colonial. It was a couple hundred yeah. years earlier. Right, yeah. <laughs> Your house wasn't built in the 1600s. Um, and as far as, like, the, the, the main categories that were knocked off you have your colonial as we're speaking of and the federal periods mm-hmm. um and what they did was they kind of took the the straight lines of the federal period and then they would apply attach all this sort of ornamentation again this is sort of almost i hate to say it but like uh a real bastardization yeah yeah it's like as as far as the craftsmanship and and design innovation it's a real low point in 
in this whole story we're telling. Mm-hmm. Less than the Shakers. <laughs> yes. <laughs> as, as, as hard as we were on the Shakers, traditional revival is much, much less than the Shakers. Um, you know, it, there's... As hard as I looked, there were no, like, designers that made their name during this period based on this. You know, there were designers that that worked between the 20s and the 50s, but they didn't make their name doing traditional revival furniture. And there were no craftsmen who made their name doing traditional revival. It was all the, you know, under the... Um, you know, the hand of the main, ma- the big manufacturers right. of the day. Uh, they would take something, sort of simplify it, the the base of it, and then to make it look fancy, they'd stick stuff on top. Like, yeah, we got this brass backplate hardware. Mm-hmm. Um, what can we do to make this, you know, cost less at the factory? Right. Uh, so it's sort of, um, it's really the beginning of the end until we get to mid-century modern, mm-hmm. you know, which we're going to talk about in our coming episodes. It's the beginning of the end of real um, design work in these 12 periods of American furniture. Oh, great. That's exciting. <laughs> Is this a link we got right yeah, here? Yeah, yeah. Open up. I have, I found one link. Uh, traditional revival, because mostly what you find oh, God. is a store selling it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And this picture here, it could be any of our friends or family's dining room grow as we grew up. This picture has a smell. <laughs> <laughs> we had something like this growing and not this uh, gaudy. Right. Kind of like with the claw. It, I think it does have ball and claw feet. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but there's no like distinctive style to this at all. No. You know, they borrowed from every yeah. group. You know, the chair. Like, how many elements can we throw in here? Ball and claw, like a urn, uh, egg and dart. <laughs> Right. If it if it wasn't all staying the same color, the chairs don't even match the table. You know what I mean? Like the chairs are all straight lines. Yeah. Um, I'm telling you, this picture smells like stale <laughs> cigarettes and I don't know that oh, smelly God. rug. Yeah. It, it it's really it's funny because. Um, no matter how old you are, you know, I'm 60, you're in your low 30s. We're all familiar with this kind of furniture. Oh, yeah. Um, it, it's just so present in American, middle American lives, so yeah. to speak. And, you know, this, the sad thing is, as as heinous as this is, this was built 10,000 times better than 90% of the stuff that's around today. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. This thing is still kicking around somewhere, this exact table. Yeah. Um, If it was built, you know, between the 20s and the 50s, it was all wood for the most part. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, all the joints and the chairs probably have those triangle braces in them. Yeah. And then they have mortise and tenons, I'm sure. mm -hmm. Yeah. So, um, I mean, that's just the the decline in manufacturing as they try and make it cheaper, cheaper, and cheaper. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I have friends uh, through the years who've, you know, I've repaired their dining room chairs. They, they say, Rob, can you fix this? You know, and it's some sort of traditional revival and you get it to your shop and everything's all cracked and loose. Oh, yeah. And, and um, yeah, it, it, it's... It's funny. Um, so I figured, you know, we would just do a refresher on uh, the two biggies, which are colonial and um, uh, federal, because there are a couple of big names come up. Mm-hmm. And one in particular is, uh, you know, kind of, he kind of became like our shining star uh, of the series, and that's Chippendale. Um, so what is colonial furniture? You know, it was 
I mean, true colonial furniture was made during the colonial period of America. Local materials, very practical. Um, you know, we're talking 1700 in and about that time. Uh, and then it combined in colonial furniture drew from earlier stuff like, here's that word, Jacobine. <laughs> <laughs> Jacobian. We still don't know how to say it. <laughs> Carolean, which is uh, refers to King Charles, William and Mary, Queen Anne, and Chippendale styles. So, um, you know, the best colonial furniture drew from those in influences. Although it tended to be more conservative, less ornate than the European um, models it emulated. Mm -hmm. um, you know, a lot of it was due to the you know, the lack of craftsmen that came over and the lack of tooling and, you know, whatever machinery was available at that time, you know, it was quite limited. And uh, perhaps the most important piece of early American furniture was the chest. Um, from its origin as a plain box to a box with a drawer in it to a chest on chest until it finally became the high boy and the low boy and our modern chest of drawers, the chest is what all this early American furniture was built around. Mm -hmm. And we found out something really interesting yeah, when we great, great did grandpappy. This. So you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I guess if you missed, uh, it was probably episode two of, it of was early season on. two. Yeah, it was one of the first four. It was either, it was either uh, two or four or three. Or three. It definitely wasn't the first one. Um, Nicholas Disbro, you know, came over from uh, England uh, with the Puritan Great Migration, you know, in like 1630-something. Um, and, you know, was a, was a furniture maker, amongst other things, and built this chest called the uh, Hartford Chest, and uh, for a while there, it was considered the oldest verifiably American piece of furniture. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, so that means that this piece of furniture had a signature on it. Right. And so we, we can trace back, you know, its origins mm -hmm. definitively to your ninth great grandfather. Yeah. <laughs> pretty crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and before this 400 years ago <laughs> you had no clue you had any ties to anybody in the trades no no i knew i had um you know ancestors that came here in in the puritan great migration mm -hmm. but um yeah never knew any specifics about this this guy in particular yeah and he was also one of the founders of hartford connecticut wasn't he yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. One of a hundred people, uh, they went with, uh, the pastor priest, I forget his name from, uh, Cambridge, Massachusetts. They traveled to Hartford and founded Hartford. So, yeah, that's, uh, that's furniture royalty there, buddy. Yeah. You all hear that? <laughs> so, um, that was, that was a great uh, little sidestep. Yeah. Um, and that was a lot of fun to discover. Yeah. Um, so aside from the chest, what else were they making during uh, colonial times? The turn chair, also called the spindle chair. Uh, the cane chair, which was a really important form. If I remember my notes, I don't know if, I've, if I included it in this, um, this version of the, of the story, but I remember cane chairs being important because they started to sort of split up the labor among different shops. Mm -hmm. Like one shop would do the caning and one shop was making, you know, the, the turnings, et cetera, et cetera. Um, the wainscot chair, which had turned front legs, uh, and joined back legs with a carved back, uh, backless stools, little wooden benches called settles and, we're making sort of a modern rendition of a settle. Yeah. Right now. 
there's one in the shop that's like a, a real, um, you know, I, I don't know. It's a real interpretation of that. Now, which one? What, which the, one are you talking about? The one about? with the with the all the spindles. Oh, oh, you know, because it sort of has elements of like a Windsor. Yeah. Um, but it's like a a full on modern take on it. Yeah. Um, tables. We remember the trestle table. Yeah, it might save your life. <laughs> That's right. The trestle table, for those that don't know, <laughs> had its shape and size because. They would like push it over and hide behind it in case it was like a battle or yeah. you know an attack. That's crazy. <laughs> it will stop a sword. Drop leaf table, um, gate leg tables, um, the desk box, which was a small chest with folding side panels for writing, hmm. um, beds like a four poster. They were much heavier than a modern four poster. Uh, trundle beds and cradles. Cats in the cradle and the silver yeah. spoon. So um, that was like the earliest influence on colonial furniture. And then, of course, what was done during the revival. Then you have the Jacobean influence. And I think we saw some of that in uh, that glorious photo. Mm -hmm. Is this a. <laughs> yeah, let's see what we got. I don't know why it does that. It opens it look up. Look at that chair. Yeah, I remember this chair from uh, from the initial episodes. Um, it almost looks Aztec. It's so chunky and... Yeah, and real heavy, blocky, mm -hmm. lots of carvings. Um, of course, the first time around, those were real carvings. Right. <laughs> During the revival periods, those are just flat pieces of wood with... Some sort of embossed applique. Yep. Just stuck on top. Um, if I sound a little disparaging, it's because I am. Because, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Makes sense. You guys should be used to that by now. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> if nothing else, we are opinionated here yeah. at the American Craftsman Podcast. But, you know, they had strong, symmetrical lines, rectilinear shapes, real straightforward. Um, and lots of heavy carvings, again, which were sort of, um, you know, co-opted during this, um, this uh, what's the period? word? This period, yeah. Yeah, I mean, we could see it in that uh, initial table that we looked at. Yeah. So the Caroline. Um Again, a little more gothic, yeah, kind of macabre looking. Same basic form as far as like the the angles and stuff like that of the chair, kind mm -hmm. of you know straightish angles, but a lot of real heavy flowery curves. In yeah, there, right. Yeah, it's like they took the Jacobian and then they carved away. They carved these things out of it, like mm -hmm. they like it was like a block of stone, and they they uh, you know took some of it away and left still a heavy look. But uh, that's a good way to describe it. Not quite as blocky. Looks like it's got some caning in there as well, right? Yeah. Is that the seat? And yeah, in the back. You can see see straight through it. I think that uh, might I be was, a photo editing uh, trick yeah. there. When I was growing up, we had chairs in the dining room that had that kind of caning with like the circles. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what are they? That's not because uh, we were doing that design with the rattan. Mm -hmm. Right. So, like, there's radio weave. There's, uh, I forget what they call that one with the circles. But that's where it came from. That was, we were owners of. Um, traditional revival mm. with some caning in the seats. Uh, so William and Mary was another influence uh, for those that don't remember. Uh, that was also influenced by French furniture traditions and by Italian Baroque furniture designs. Um, William and Mary emphasized unity so that all elements contributed to an overall shape of the look. Lots of high relief carving, strong curves. You know, not not too far away from the Carolean. Yeah. Um, 
And again, despite all these things, it was still fairly squat and heavy looking, obviously sturdy looking. Um, let's see a picture of William and Mary. Yeah, right. And why it keeps keeps sending our links over to the other screen, but that's that's not too um, not too far off the Carolinian. Yeah, you looks can see it a little more tasteful. Right, slightly lighter. You can see there's kind of an evolution to you know what would be our sensibilities of style. This I don't mind. No. I mean, some there's there are a lot of parts to those turnings for the back legs, you know, and the, but everything is nice and distinct, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, you see, in like the traditional stuff, these all get real lazy. Mm -hmm. That's like you see, like your if you do any type of like interior carpentry work, like your two and a quarter inch colonial casing. It's like they took something that was a real thing, mm -hmm. and it probably it wasn't two and a quarter; it was bigger, but was a real profile back in the day and they just it's like it was eroded over time and everything <laughs> became super eased and the all the curves you know they they made the radiuses bigger so they were less um distinct you know this is still i mean look at these little uh i don't know what you, what you would call these yeah the th those little flares i mean they're super crisp and distinct yeah very sharp you're right Whereas the modern take, it's it's very uh, soft. Lazy, yeah. Like I call it like a lazy curve. And then after you add like six or seven coats of paint to it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. The, the stuff they sell now, the colonial casing, you paint that four times, it's just clamshell. <laughs> after William and Mary comes Queen Anne. Now we're talking 1720s to the 1760s. Um is also known as early Georgian. These are all named after the monarchs, of course. It, the furniture starts to become a little bit smaller and lighter. Um, chair backs start to conform to the person using the chair as opposed to, you know, sort of that, that straight line where it yeah. doesn't look that comfortable. Cabriole legs start to appear. Um a sort of a, a newly emergent fluidity, scallops. Sacklop. Yeah. <laughs> uh, cushion seats. And um, more of an emphasis on line and form rather than the ornamentation. Hmm. And uh, here's a fun fact about the, the term Queen Anne. First applied to the style about 100 years after it was fashionable. Hmm. Yeah, during the... Well, I guess not the revival, but yeah, the eighteen hundreds. And here we go, eighteen hundreds. Other computer again. Yeah, there's that cabriole shape, and this is it's that little spider table. Yeah, this is nice. I mean, oh, not, yeah. not something I'd have in my home because it's not my personal taste, but it's a beautiful piece of furniture. I feel like if I had the money and I had a, a big house, like I would need like a a library mm -hmm. that I could just put all old furniture or reproductions of, you know, nice period furniture like this in. Yeah. Cause like I, I couldn't have this in my like living room. <laughs> a lot of little pieces that are sticking out would to break off. Right. Yeah. And just the look is, you know, it's too, it's too much for just these casual spaces of your house. Mm -hmm. Like, Nobody has a traditional parlor anymore or, you know, a super formal dining room. You know, that's a really good point because these pieces of furniture went into formal rooms even back then. Yeah. Now, like you think of like a chic kind of like dining room, it, everything is is way more understated mm -hmm. for the most part. Yeah. But it is looks like nice veneer work or, you know, matching yeah. burls there on the, yeah, it's on nice. the little drawers, right? I love these drop finials, the yeah. little bangs. Yeah. So the Queen Anne style. Now, mid to late 1700s, we start getting to our, our man, Thomas, Thomas Chippendale. He follows Queen Anne. He shares many characteristics, uh, although he's 
Chippendale's got a preference for mahogany. And we did a whole episode on mahogany mm-hmm. and it's all its impact and what it meant to the furniture makers and the indigenous people. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, some examples of Massachusetts made, that's, that's pretty hard to say. Massachusetts made Chippendale are some of the most sophisticated American furniture ever produced. Um, we got a picture there. Uh, oh, yeah. That, no, I got it way zoomed in. Oh, there we go. There we go. There she is with the ribbon, interlocking ribbon yeah. back splat. You can sort of see the Asian influence even in that, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, with this print. Mm-hmm. Um, Chrysanthemums. Now, I, I was talking to um, your brother-in-law at the at the party the other day. You know, he's British. Uh, yeah, Simon. Yeah, and so what we share with Simon and I is the, 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 I don't know if he loves the shows like I do, but he knows of all these British TV shows that my mm-hmm. wife and I watch. And we've been watching this show called Lovejoy, and the main character is an antiques dealer. Uh. And he's what they call a divvy. So he can kind of tell a, a real antique and authentic piece from a repro or mm-hmm. a, an out-and-out fake. And Chippendale and Sheridan come up all the time. Oh, really? And there are all these, there are all these references that I don't remember everything about it because, you know, these episodes were, you know, 30 weeks ago, yeah, some yeah. of them. But it's really funny how... Sometimes life goes like that, you mm-hmm. know. It's like, oh yeah, I can see that. Like, I, oh I yeah, that's that. um, because the the antiques part of it is pretty authentic, right? You know, they they took his his dialogue. They must have like a real um, what do you call those people on TV shows that work as a oh, technical advisor? Mm. Um, but. Uh, it's really funny, and I was like, and sometimes I'll say something to the wife, and she'll say, how do you know that? I'm like, well, the podcast. Well, I do make furniture for a living. <laughs> yeah, aside from that, they forget, don't they? Yeah, until it's time for something to be made. I got to say, this chair doesn't look very comfortable. I no. mean, the, it looks to me like the seat angles forward. A little bit. Which is like, you know... You feel like you're gonna like fall out of it. Yeah, not a lot of cushioning. No, but, but too much cushioning is isn't a good thing on mm-hmm. uh, on a chair. And the back probably not one you want to lean against too much. No, I guess everybody was kind of a stiff back then too. You know, right? They probably were were sitting upright, not touching the back of the chair. Yeah, you don't get comfortable till everybody leaves. Um, all your dinner guests. Yeah, yeah. They didn't want people hanging out too long anyway. Yeah, I know that feeling. But um, I, I was looking at some chairs the other day in the show, and I'm like, hmm, is that a Sheridan or is that a Chippendale? Because <laughs> they're, they're kind of similar. Sheridan's, That's a Heppelwhite. Yeah, right. They, um, I, I, Sheridan and Chippendale, were, you know, were so closely uh, related time-wise, yep. and they had a lot of similar characteristics as far as like producing drawings and and people built their stuff. That was one of the things. Was it Sheridan who died and then his wife published? Yeah, the... I think so. Yeah, good memory. Or that might have been Heppelway. I don't know. It was one of those guys that we talked yeah. about. Yeah. Um. So. You know, I the original notes here, I say, compare, contrast the Jacobean chair and all the others to the Chippendale. And just to think about the changes that occurred, you yeah. know, the sophistication. We kind of did that unprompted. Yeah. Um, fun fact. Chippendale furniture is the first to be named after the maker rather than a monarch. Hmm. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Um. Yeah, a couple of surprises in doing the podcast. One was how much I got into Thomas Chippendale, which yeah, you never would have convinced me beforehand. Yeah. 
um, that I would have been like a fan of Chippendale. And, you know, on the opposite end of that was the Shaker thing. Like, I used to think I was a huge Shaker fan, mm -hmm. and Chippendale just wasn't my thing. But <laughs> it, it, it came away with so much more admiration for Chippendale, didn't we? Yeah. Um, some experts consider Chippendale Britain's greatest cabinet maker ever. And uh, he can be compared to the Shakespeare of English furniture makers. Mm, fancy. You know? Yeah. So he's right up there in the in the top tier. Yeah. Um, although some people think Shakespeare was uh the heck? No, like a non person. Like he was uh like lots of people are sh the real Shakespeare. Oh. Uh, I think I've heard that before. But isn't it like historical fact that <laughs> he was a guy? Yeah. <laughs> You know how conspiracies get started. Oh, yeah. This is the age of the conspiracy. Yeah. <laughs> um, Brings us back to the secret space program. <laughs> Just got back from my four-year stint on Mars fighting vampires oh, and zombies. What? What was that? Secret space program. I know, but where, how did we come across that? I can't remember. Uh, I found a video on YouTube. Oh, yeah. A guy yeah. who interviewed... Uh, you know, people have these uh, regressed m memories yeah, they do. Yeah. Uh, oh, God. Uh, what do they call it? Hip hypnotic regression therapy. Yeah. Turns out that they were fighting, uh, yeah, reptilians on Mars oh, and man. zombies and vampires. Well, you know, uh, Robert Copley, he's the um, international head of furniture for Christie's. What you a guys job. have heard of Christie's. Um, and according to him, Thomas Chippendale is without question Britain's greatest cabinet maker. He excelled in every style he worked in, from the whimsical Rococo and the fashion for all things Chinese in his early career to the neoclassical with its straight lines derived from the ancient worlds. Uh, Chippendale, his reputation spread far beyond the shores of his homeland and his genius is reflected in the number of beautiful, beautifully designed and executed pieces of furniture that survive in excellent condition nearly 250 years after his death. I mean, what else can you say? Yeah, man. Um, he built some great stuff. He directed the building of some great stuff. Yeah. Influenced a lot of people. Yeah, tons. And... Uh, you know, definitely elements of his furniture are, um, they're, they're brought forward into the traditional revival period. Mm -hmm. You know, not with much grace. <laughs> How many people for, have it? For the most part. Um, but, you know, if you're going to copy somebody, you might as well try and copy the best, right? Yeah. So... Uh, Chippendale is one of the uh, the big um, big influences on traditional revival furniture, and surprisingly, not much is known about Chippendale's early life. Um, he was probably trained by his father. Um, he probably apprenticed with a guy named Robert Wood, uh, and uh, we do know for a fact that he married twice and had twelve kids. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like we might not even know if Chippendale was real. Yeah. Him and Shakespeare. Yeah. Maybe they were the same guy. <laughs> um, we're going to get to now one of the most important things that Chippendale did. In 1954, he was working in London. 1754. <laughs> what did I say? 1954. 19, yeah. <laughs> he was also uh, ageless. Dorian Gray, in 1754, Chippendale was working in London, overseeing a large company with around 50 journeyman cabinet makers. And the, the name of this place was the Cabinet and Upholstery Warehouse. Yeah, sounds like a, a place you find in Edison, New Jersey <laughs> on, you know. Route 1. Yeah. 
What's that one road that we took? Twenty two. Yeah. Yes. Yes. On US twenty two in <laughs> East Orange, New Jersey. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. Yeah, we're having a fire sale. We're going out of business. Yeah. Well, this is what uh sort of makes Chippendale's career in in one sense. He publishes the Gentleman and Cabinet Makers Director. Uh, it was a trade catalog. It really launches his career. Uh, we got a link to see a picture from it. And I remember that. Yeah. Facsimile of a page in Chippendale's Director. The original is folio size. wonder what that is. Big? Yeah, yeah. I guess um, this is like an alternate... Uh, an alternate top. Yeah. yeah. Uh, or is it? Or is it this? Uh, I don't know. Well, it's it's a pencil drawing. Yeah. Um, it's, you know, it's a hand drawing. Shows a front view and a side profile. With mm -hmm. the, sort of shows the different elevations. Yeah. Um, and depths. Of a pretty complicated piece. <laughs> Say that again. It's like, it's really impressive um, that, like, imagine being a cabinet maker back then, and here's what you get. It's Say, like, oh, yeah. okay, Jeff, make this. Lickety split. Um, One guy, five minutes. <laughs> I think the quote you're looking for is, one guy, 10 minutes. 10 minutes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> For those who are in the know, uh, it's one guy, 10 minutes. So what is the gentleman and cabinet maker's director? Now, we went out and bought uh, yeah. this book. You know, it's still being printed. That's how important this book is. Mm -hmm. You could still buy it in a paperback form, and it's really reasonably priced. Oh, yeah, right. um, less than 20 bucks, probably 10 bucks. And although we don't plan on making anything, you know, in the near future, it it's just something cool to have and to leaf oh, yeah. through and just sort of think about, you know, its place in history and things like that. Um, so what is it? it it's, it's a book with 160 plans for furniture that can be built for clients or or that others could copy. Uh, Chippendale made this so that other cabinet shops could make his designs. Mm -hmm. um, it makes me kind of think of um, how Apple and uh, like PCs started out. I don't know if you, if maybe, are you too young to recall how how that thing went down? Uh, I I definitely watched things on it, but uh, it's not committed to memory. Yeah, well, Apple, they you know were convinced they had the better machine, and they and the better operating system, and the machine was expensive, and um, the PC was this platform i don't i don't know if it was ibm mm -hmm. they just licensed out the operating system and that's why dell and um acer and mm -hmm. all and ibm and hewlett-packard and they all made it so was it microsoft yeah microsoft yeah there you go i'm forgetting the biggest <laughs> the biggest player in yeah, the that bunch. bastard bill gates yeah um trying to sterilize us all <laughs> that's what i heard i heard i can't confirm nor deny <laughs> yes so he's thought i'm gonna go for the long game and let everybody use my stuff for mm -hmm. a fee and they were crushed apple oh yeah uh, if it wasn't for the ipod yeah there there might not be any apple i mean they were on the ropes yeah until the iPod came out. Yeah, that was like 2005, maybe. Yeah, I'm trying to think. I got my niece an iPod. and um, I was in high school. I know that. Yeah, it was it was a big deal because it was like that little tiny thing. It wasn't even the big thing yet. Yeah, it was like about like this big. Yeah, yeah. yeah. With the, the wheel was the, right. It was like, whoa, you, you, it's like not a button. It's like you put your finger on it and 
Yeah, I remember. Pretty sure this kid, John Macaluso, was the first kid that, <laughs> that I saw that had one. He was one. like rich. <laughs> yeah. No, not even. He wasn't even. I don't know. His, his parents must have just been up on, like, okay. you know, technology or something. But, yeah. I was like, man, this thing is freaking cool. Yes, yes. Then uh, they came out with the iPod Touch, mm-hmm. which, uh, you know, had, like, a color screen. It played little videos and stuff. Crazy. But, yeah, so... Um, What's his name? Uh, Chippendale was like uh, Microsoft. Mm-hmm. He wanted his name and his designs out there. And he said, buy my book and make them. And, you know, he lives in history now. Yeah. Um, in, the, in the Gentleman and Cabinet Makers Director, it had designs for household furniture, which are like chairs, sofas, beds, commodes, which... In French means convenience. Did you know that? I think we talked about that. Yeah, that that actually came up in an episode of Lovejoy last night. Um, It's like a Jeopardy question. (laughs) So it could mean anything, you know, like a dresser or anything to put your clothes in. Um, Writing tables, bookcases, all sorts of stuff. Uh, In Chippendale's Gothic style, his take on the Chinese style. And um, at the time, the modern style, um, the modern style back in Chippendale's time would come to be known today as French Rococo. Mm-hmm. Um, so since the director was used by other cabinet makers, a lot of recognizably Chippendale furniture was built. Um, Dublin, Philadelphia, Lisbon, Copenhagen, and Hamburg are... Uh, a few big cities of note that produced um, their share of Chippendale designs. So, you know, if you were, if we were working back then, uh, well, we're we're probably not the the best example because we're designers. You know, we're, yeah. we're you know not to toot our own horn, but we like to. Um, we're certainly influenced by people we love and admire, mm-hmm. but. Um, we like to come up with our own plans. Oh, yeah. But there are plenty of shops that just kind of work in um, the style of the day. Yep. And they would have this book on hand. Somebody would come in. they say, you know, um, Mr. Smith, we need a bookcase. You'd leaf through here on page 140. What do you think of this? Could build you this. Yeah, and I'm sure, you know, they would customize mm-hmm. little elements to the to the client. Did you know there's four main styles in the Cabinet Makers Director? Uh, I did. Yeah. The English style with deep carvings. French Rococo in the style of Louis XV. Um, You got the Gothic with the pointed arches and the quatrefoils and fretwork. Mm -hmm. And you got the Chinese with the lacquer and the lattice work. Yeah. Putting so, those Chippendale railing uh, panels. Yeah, as as we've been going on and on about, Chippendale was an astute businessman, and it was aimed at promoting his trade. Uh, he intended to sign up 400 subscribers who'd received 160 designs for 1.14 shillings. <laughs> you know how much that is in today's money? <laughs> About $5 in today's money. <laughs> That's nothing. I know. Wow. I wonder how it was 1.14. How did he... Uh... I don't know. Thanks, QuickBooks, for the uh, loud email sound. <laughs> I wonder if that would be like, you know, maybe us saying like a dollar fourteen or something. I yeah, mean, I guess 1. so. 1.14. And it'd be even less. one point one. Oh, shillings if you got it unbound. For the for the cheapskates. Yeah. And you'd pay 50% down if you were a subscriber. And if it was re- it was published as a book, you'd get a discount. That must be per design, no? Because why would you only have to put 50% down on $5? Yeah. I know. So it'd be more like... Uh... That's that 160 makes a lot times more sense. five. That's uh, 800 bucks. Yeah. You know, it doesn't say that, you know, in, in my notes, but that makes a lot more sense. So like 800 bucks. Like maybe you get one once a week or something like that. Yeah. 
Like, because it's a subscription. Mm -hmm. So you'd, you'd get it, you know, like one at a time, I guess. You know, like if you're getting a magazine subscription. Yeah. Yeah, I wonder how that, I wonder what, how that works. Maybe like three a week. Yeah. Yeah. It's possible. That'd be 106. Uh, no. That'd be 106. No, 156. Hmm. I don't know. Either way. Either way. It was a good deal. Uh, so what do you want? 400 people? Initially 308 subscribed. Mostly craftsmen, but architects, sculptors, and members of the nobility. That's all you need, a couple of those. Yeah. Spread the word. Needless to say, it was a huge success because we're still talking about Chippendale today. Uh, how many hundreds of years? Uh, let's see, it would be... 250? Yeah, 250. Um, it was reprinted even in 1762. Um. And beyond furniture and cabinetry, Chippendale worked in a similar fashion to a modern-day interior designer. He chose paint colors, fabrics, uh, soft furnishings, you know, things like pillows and, th and such. And he directed other specialist trades. Uh, Chippendale oftentimes received large-scale commissions. Um, I put here, think Downton Abbey. Everybody's... Seen at least one of those shows. Not me. No, you never saw that? You know, no. like those big English estates. Uh, I was going to say, I think maybe when we get right here to federal, yeah, we should cut that. Okay. And that'll be another episode. All right. Cause it, yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> this is going to be a long episode if we keep going. We're, yeah. we're at 50 minutes, basically. All right, good. So what's Chippendale's relevancy to today? And we'll wrap it up. We got to talk about myoderm too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Cool. So, um, let's take a look at that Chippendale cabinet. Is that is that a link there? We can uh, gawk at it a little bit. Oh uh, yeah, I remember this one. Cabinet is putting it. Oh my God! An understatement. Is it, yeah. Holy smokes. Um, it's amazing. I mean, the design is is of course cool. But to think that people, you know, made this. Like, we we make stuff. And I'm looking at this in awe. Yeah. I mean, look <laughs> at all this veneer work. Like, the marquetry. And that, and that concave yeah. half circle. Yeah. And the sides angle out and bow in. Yeah. And I, I mean, it, it's really an amazing piece of work. Yeah, he did these chairs, too, I remember. Yeah. And then they, they slap a piece of glass on top. I know. <laughs> Which yeah, is just, people just great can't keep finish. people away from it. I know. I know. And they put this ugly clock on there. Um, it's great to develop, um, you know, not necessarily an affinity for this type of furniture, but a true appreciation for the, the design work, the craftsmanship. Mm -hmm. um, because you can... You can carry that, those ethics, the you know, forward. Yeah. Even if, even if you don't, um, you know, follow the design. I mean, there's marquetry. There's like, uh, you know, a Roman or Greek, yeah. woman in a toga or something. You know. I didn't notice the the first time around the gold on these legs. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, stunning amount of detail. Yeah, I mean, so much texture with the different. You know, quilted wood veneers and all the figure. And I mean, look at this thing over here. I know. It's like uh, the thing they put around a sound hole on an acoustic guitar. You know, right, this crazy. Right. Yeah, everywhere you turn. Little fans in the corners of the panels. It's just insane. All of this molding here. Yeah, it, it is. It's an astounding amount of work. Yeah, these are like little acanthus leaves. Mm-hmm. Leaves. Even marquetry on the feet. On the feet, yeah. So I, I, you know, I know I did it the first time around, but I really urge everybody listening 
to just take a quick look at some of Chippendale's pieces. Um, yeah. Just just to get an idea. Um, it's really rewarding. So what's Chippendale's relevancy today? And, to, of course, to um, the traditional revival. It's I mean, we're still talking about design and furniture and cabinet making that happened 250 years ago. Um, so he's influenced us. Mm -hmm. I mean, he's still relevant in that he's an important forefather of what we do. I mean, there are surviving Chippendale antiques um, selling at high-end auctions. Um, half a million dollars isn't an unusually high price tag for something made by Chippendale. Shit, um, it cost us that to build that thing we just saw. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Had to work on that for a year. <laughs> yeah, more. In two thousand, yeah, in twenty ten, the Harrington Commode sold at auction for over five million dollars. Wow. Uh, and here we go. The fun fact: the word commode comes from French, meaning suitable or convenient. Um, so in the middle. There are scores of businesses specializing in reproduction furniture like Chippendale, some small shops, artisanal work, and some mass-produced in Asia. And on the bottom end, you can pick up a, quote, Chippendale-style piece at Raymore and Flanagan for 1000 bucks. It has as much to do with Thomas Chippendale's work as chicken parmesan has to do with actual Italian food. You're <laughs> making waves. <laughs> making waves. But the correlation persists in the public's mind. Yes, you know there's no such thing as chicken parmesan in Italy. <laughs> if you see it on a menu, you know it's a tourist trap. Yeah. They have that craft cheese on the table, too, with the green in the green can. So you know it's cheese if it doesn't have to be refrigerated. Yeah. <laughs> Thomas Chippendale's influence is definitely still felt. And you could argue that the designer and cabinet maker born 300 plus years ago is the most influential person in the craft ever. Pretty much, yeah. Does it mean he's the greatest, the most skilled? That's not the same thing. But if you ask, you know, let's say a random hundred people if they ever heard of Chippendale, Chippendale furniture. You probably get, you know, 90 yeses. Uh, maybe I'm overestimating the uh, that, but I mean, it's more you get than more than uh, if you said, yeah, like Nakashima uh, or yeah. I mean, even the folks today, they even didn't know Sheridan the, the or Green Apple Brothers, White. Yeah, uh, yeah and, and they know furniture, right? So. He's a household name 300 years later, and you, you can't diminish that. Yeah. So there you go. I mean, I got a little excited doing Chippendale, um, and I'm not even a period furniture maker. Yeah. Yeah, so next episode, we're going to get into uh, the federal period and, you know, how, how, what, a recap and, you know, how it influenced the traditional revival. But uh, before we leave you, Obviously, we want to tell you to, uh, you know, go check out Bits and Bits, uh, Vesting, support us on Patreon. You can go give us a review on Apple, tell your friends, all that kind of stuff, um, all ways to support the podcast. And we uh, we just started uh, the affiliate program with a company called Myoderm, which um, was something that we actually, they sent to us and we tried out for... I don't even know what a month, yeah, six, about six weeks month. before, you know, before <clears throat> we even talked about doing any type of affiliate thing. But, um, so myoderm is, uh, it's the only water-based CBD, um, what would you call it? Like a, it's pain a cream. relief yeah, cream. It's, it reduces inflammation yeah. primarily. Um, you know, we, uh, we sat and talked with the two gentlemen, uh, Brian and Eric from myoderm. They're out in Colorado. Um, and, you know, they told us all about the product. Basically, it's like, imagine you could take ibuprofen and apply it topically. Yes. Um, it has basically the same sort of pain relief, um, but none of those, you know, side effects of ibuprofen. That stuff's bad for your stomach. I think your, what, your liver or something, mm -hmm. your kidneys maybe. Um, 
I mean, we've been using it like crazy. <laughs> We've gone through six six containers of it. Knees, neck, elbows, back. I mean, all over the place. It, it, the crazy thing is, like, I was a total skeptic. Yes. It actually works. Yeah. Um, you know, like, if I'm working on the computer a lot. I got my wife using it now. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Yeah, my wife's used it. Um, we got Joe, our plywood delivery guy. Yeah, forget about him. He was he was totally shocked. Um, yeah, it's crazy. It actually works. Like, you put it on, you rub it in, and, like, within a couple minutes, it stops hurting. Yeah. You know? You know, Unless maybe it doesn't knock if you're really hurting. Like, my knees, nothing could take all the pain out of my knees. Right. But it, it, it really makes a big difference. Um, it, for me, it lasts about four hours mm -hmm. and you could, you know, you can use it as often as you want. It's not like something like Advil where you can only take it every, mm -hmm. you know, they say take it every four hours and only this many times a day, whatever. So there's no, you know, there's no ill effect from using it all you want. They said you could even use it on sunburn. Um, but yeah, I mean, we've been, we've been real pleasantly surprised. It's one of those things where it's like you hurt all the time. When you, I mean, I guess maybe not everybody. We hurt all the we time, do. and it's not something I ever really did something about because I I don't like taking uh, Advil or Tylenol mm -hmm. or anything like that. But I don't hesitate to use that because you know it doesn't have all the bad bad stuff in it. Um, so right. it's nice to be able to knock off some of that pain. When in the past I kind of just pushed it off because I didn't want to you know have to deal with you know, screwing up my stomach from taking Advil every day or something like that. So, yeah, the, the thing that's it kind of funny is that we got this stuff and we're, we were both like, get out of here. Yeah, yeah. And we, we both were sort of like reluctant to tell the other one that we thought it yeah, worked, yeah. you know, because you, you're trying maybe imagining it. Like, is it, uh, yeah. Like, is this uh, really, is this me or is this really working? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the best the best reaction though was from joe yeah he's like oh he, he was delivering some plywood we were talking talking just about aches and pains and oh my shoulder you know every morning i said well, give me one second i ran back into the shop and we had uh, one that we hadn't opened up yet and i gave it to him and the next time he came he actually, usually he calls us, we go out to the truck. He actually walked back to the shop and he's like, man, he's like, I got to tell you that stuff. I couldn't believe it. It worked. And it, where do I so get long. it? Yeah. Yeah. He was, he was really Johnson. And that's, yeah, that's what made me actually reach back out to them. Cause I was kind of like, ah, you know, it's just another thing that we try and push on the people that listen to the podcast. Not that we push really push anything, but just, you know we try and remain authentic. So we don't want to feel like we're trying to sell you guys stuff. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, when he had that reaction, I was like, well, I guess it's not just us, you know? So, you know, if we can uh, tell everybody about it and it, it could be good, you know, for everyone and it could be a good affiliate program, then, then it's worth talking to them about. So yeah. how do you spell it? Uh, M Y A D E R M. So I'll, I'll put a link in there and same, same thing. American craftsman actually gives you 20% off. Yeah. Um, which is a good deal. They said they don't really, they never really do that. Only that's like a, a holiday only kind of thing. They mm -hmm. do like, you know, sales with 20% off. So yeah, that's substantial. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I would try it. They, we've been using the, the sport, uh, which is 2,400 milligram, the RX 10, I think it's called, which is a 5,000 milligram. That's my favorite. And the therapy, <laughs> which is another 2,400 milligram. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's nice. The water base is great. It doesn't leave a greasy kind of residue. Um, I don't know. Don't take our word for it. Try right. it. Check it out. Yeah. You know, it's you. everything's available on the internet nowadays. Like, you could read up on it and yep. check its authenticity and all those things like that. Yeah. We're just the advocates of anything that can help, whether it's a... And this is just like a tool. Yeah. It's... I mean, we keep it in the shop, and <laughs> we do. <laughs> you know, after after jointing two hundred board feet, I'm rubbing it on the arms, oh yeah, the shoulders, the elbows. Yeah. So yeah, check it out if you want. If you have any questions about anything, you know, the vesting, the myoderm, anything, uh, you could always reach us on Instagram. Um, I I message everybody back. So yeah, 
Thanks for listening. Yeah, everybody have a great day out there. We'll uh, we'll see you next week. Thank you.